Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about Season of the Drifter. It's sort of my first impressions review. Uh, it wasn't about the entire season. There's more things to come, but I'm just sort of giving my preliminary thoughts on the structure of the rhythm, uh, how it's a bit narrow and leveling infusion still not that great, hoping that we can see some changes. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live. I'm probably live right now, twitch.tv slash say no to rage uh, or look me up say no to rage in the twitch app or on twitter and throw me a follow in both locations if i'm not live that's a great way to support what i do if you're watching on youtube click on that subscribe button uh click on that subscribe button and uh the like button it's a free and easy way to support me let's just jump right into the questions jd gamer says with the season of the drifter not including a raid do you think we could see something similar to the way you unlock the fourth forge as a community but for level three i honestly don't know if they're going to want to do that again it didn't go over very well uh people did not like it they did not like having content that they paid for uh feeling like it was kind of stuck and you know at that point i think people were saying that they just wanted to get into the content and then you could do something like if you actually did season or I'm sorry, you know, Niobe Labs or in this case it would be uh, you know, stage 3 tier 3 of the Reckoning if you actually do it then you could say that it, you know, it, it uh, maybe it gives you a specific reward or an emblem or something or maybe it's the only place you can farm for certain items because the hand cannon's not dropping in tier 2 Reckoning so they might have separate pools. I mean after it's all said and done, I, I think that when you look at Drifter and Black Armory, they're both showing themselves to be somewhat narrow. And as I said in my talk, I don't feel like we've netted more content that much. I mean, we were supposed to get more content by leaving new locations and campaign on the wayside. And ultimately, I don't feel like I'm, I'm getting more content. If I, if I add up everything in Black Armory and Season of the Drifter, it feels thinner than you know warmind and curse and as someone pointed out in you know before we got this this Q&A session started curse and warmind with random rolls would have been significantly more substantive than it was and this content is only in some respects seeming to have more depth and longevity because of random rolls if this content had static rolls like warmind and curse did i think season of the drifter and black armory would be highly ridiculed Um, more than it maybe already is. I don't think people would have thought it was good content at all because it would just be not just narrow, but very, very short-lived. One of the only reasons Black Armory had life was because of random rolls. Now, that's to their credit. We said random rolls were a great value add for the community, so it's good that they added them. But if you went back and added random rolls to Curse of Osiris and Warmind, just the Forge grind alone would have been pretty substantive in inside of uh, Curse of Osiris. It it wasn't substantive because you got the gun and you were done. So, I mean, the Forge and Escalation Protocol would have taken on a very, very different shape if people would have been able to grind them over and over and over again for for better roles, which is one of the reasons why that content was good, but then sort of quickly over and done with. So... Uh, two questions about the recluse. What do you think about it? And then will you be running the recluse versus Luna uh, or Nightfall and why? I will not be going for the recluse. I don't care. Uh, PvP experience in Destiny is nothing that I want to spend my time with. And I personally think that the SMG is something that I would probably never use in the rest of Destiny. And that reason alone is not worth the grind in PvP 
for uh, for the recluse. So I would not be, I will not be going for it. And I think they look, I think they look nice. Like whenever they do a pinnacle weapon, and all the PVP guys are saying it's really, really strong. I think that's a good thing. But I think people need to remember that they keep giving us power and then having to take it away. So if I was a PVP player and I was enjoying my Lunas and my Not Forgotten, uh, you know, if I was enjoying those things. I would be very, very scared. Uh, I'd be very hesitant to come atta- to become attached to those things. Um, I I would I would be worried because that's what they're doing with exotics. Any exotics that are strong are getting hit. So I don't know. I would be worried about those pinnacle weapons because anything that goes into PvP and rears its head as being really, really strong ends up getting nerfed. And I am going to go to the tower because I got a prime, and it's probably worth popping this before we get to the end of the nightfall. Peter Iliak. What will it take for people to stop judging a DLC's overall substance on the first day or two when it has been previously stated that it's drip feed style release? Well, if you're if this is aimed at me, first of all, I said it was a first impressions video and it was based off of the preliminary content, not all of it. Second, I can say with a lot of confidence, looking at what we got in the forge and looking at what's planned for Season of the Drifter, they're very very similar narrow content offering where forges were no different you just went to different locations gambit prime will be no different you just go to different locations now they're saying it's going to evolve over time well that remains to be seen how much it's going to evolve over time it's still at its core gambit prime so in in that regard i think it's easy to say right now if you don't like prime there's nothing for you in this dlc i i'm i don't think i'm out of bounds saying that i don't I don't think I'm out of bounds uh, highlighting that. I think that's an easy to see shortcoming of the DLC and a narrowness of the DLC. I also think that when you look at the way they've structured tier one and tier two with respect to armor, it's meaningless. It like they literally have no purpose. If the reason to chase the armor is for the perks and the perks are not good after they're not like worth it basically after tier uh, after tier two you want the tier three and you can't do anything with those lower tiers that's a problem that's a motivation problem if tier two reckoning is the best place to farm the weapons why am i going to go into tier three if i don't care for the armor if i don't want the armor well you're not going to why am i going to go into tier one like at all why why go into tier one reckoning within a week it's been it's been made the content has been made irrelevant it doesn't matter you don't need it you don't need the tier one armor and you can't get guns in 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 tier one reckoning i don't know how you can design content that you make irrelevant within seven days of it launching it doesn't even make any sense at the very least if you grind tier one like crazy because maybe you're a lower level character you could do something with that armor to level it up later Thank you, Master Zong, for nine months. I just... I don't know. I don't feel like we've gotten more content. I feel like we've gotten less. And the content that we've gotten doesn't seem like they put a lot of thoughtfulness behind how it's going to be structured, given the nature of Tier 1, Tier 2 armor being worthless, and being that Reckoning, you can grind for guns at Tier 2, but everything else in Reckoning is tied to Gambit Prime. I, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of risk. The player base numbers were strong over the weekend. I hope they remain strong throughout the coming weeks and that I'm shown to be wrong and that most people are enjoying the content. Uh, Jinx says, For someone who hasn't committed to D2 in a while in Season of the Drifter, setting up to be a good time for a returning player to hop back in. I mean, a returning player can hop back in and use the... um, You can easily use 
the the bounties, the surge bounties, to get you know to get things up to snuff really really quickly. The leveling has nothing to do though with a returning player. A brand new player can hit 640 right away. You can hit 640 right a freaking way. All right. So given that reality, you're going to be in the same boat as anybody else. Any anybody that was below 650, whether it's a returning player, new player, or a, a player that's been loyal but you know plays off and on, you're all going to be in the exact same boat. You're all going to be in the exact same boat as soon as you do those surge bounties. That boat is one of RNG leveling, where you may I'm going to die. You may you may not get anything that you need and get stuck for weeks on end. It amazes me. It amazes me how many Neanderthals get in my YouTube comments and say, if you can't level up, you're just bad. I just, I cannot fathom being that stupid. Like, how do you not understand that leveling in this game has nothing to do with skill, like, whatsoever? The best player in the world could come into Destiny, one of the best players in Destiny, Tifu, could come into Destiny and grind the same amount of hours as me. He's arguably a much better player than I am, and I could get higher level than him based purely off of luck. So it's like, it doesn't matter really. Returning players, that's your main hurdle is the RNG for leveling up. Uh, Gracula uh, says, um, Do you enjoy the new content loop? For those that don't enjoy Gambit, and uh, it doesn't seem like there's much here. Yeah, I mean, I, I've addressed this multiple times today. If you don't enjoy Gambit, the weapons look cool and have cool perks. So grind Reckoning Tier 2. Like, get yourself leveled up and grind Reckoning Tier 2 and just ignore the rest of the content. I know that's narrow and boring, but the guns do look pretty cool. They did introduce new perks. So, I, I mean, I, I think there's there's something there. They're, like, they've they've got the right idea when they're creating content that's loopable, fast, high-octane, and guns can drop. Like, they've got the right idea. It's just... The main, the main, main issue is always going to be... Uh, incentive. Like, you can create a good loop, you can create a good game mode, but if there's not enough incentive for me to play then I won't play it. Right now, how many strikes are in the game? Just add up, okay? Add up all the strikes that are in the game. And then ask yourself, does anybody play them? No, they don't. Why does nobody play the strikes? There's no incentive to, other than to do a milestone, which can ultimately be frustrating. Ultimately feel like, I, I can't I can't get the things to drop where I need them to drop. So you end up hating that milestone and strikes because you get this like you get this bad taste in your mouth it's like I don't really I'm not really a huge fan of uh, crucible I go into crucible play five games and when I play those five games I come away with something that doesn't help me it makes me more frustrated uh, it makes me more frustrated with with PvP than I was before so this is this is something that they're going to have to continue to ask. Destiny 2 struggled with this. Destiny 2 was arguably a game with tons of quantity and literally no incentive to do any of the quantity that was in the game, and that was an incentive problem. I don't know if we've really shed the incentive problem that much. Forsaken was solid. It was a huge injection. The annual pass just doesn't seem to be solving one of the core problems with Destiny from launch to now, which is an incentivization problem. So. 
Dustin Thing. With Tier 3 armor being a requirement for Gambit Prime, or will Guardians still be competitive until they catch up? You don't need the perks. I will be able to go into Gambit Prime. I mean, write this down. I promise you. I promise you that I will be able to go into Gambit Prime with a team with no perks on, and we will win most of the time, if not all the time. The The strategy is so simple. Thank you, Alpha Prime, for the Prime sub. And Johnny, for three months of subs, welcome back. Like, the strategy is so simple. You literally get to tier... You get to tier... uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm misspeaking. You get to 25. I was getting distracted because I almost died. You get to 25, invade first. Invasion is hugely influential. Even if you do not, even if you do not kill a single soul, invasion is hugely influential if you get the first invade. If you're the first to summon, you're not racing to do damage to the boss. All you're doing is bum-rushing envoys. As soon as you know you're going to be getting stack 4, as soon as you know you're going to be getting stack 4, you don't kill the last envoy until the invader's gone. Once the invader's gone, you kill that last envoy, that last envoy dies, and you melt the boss, and they can't stop you because the, 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 the invader just left. That's literally the strategy for Gambit Prime. And there isn't a single perk listed out of all those perks that's going to change that reality. None of them are influential enough. But, 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 Lono, what if, what if, listen, if those perks become super influential, it's going to make the problem a thousand times worse. I'll admit it if I'm wrong. If we start losing to teams and it's clear that we're losing to teams because of perks, I'll own up and say, I was wrong. The perks are really influential. Do you know what that does? It makes the problem worse because then people that grind hardcore and get tier three armor are going to go into games and no one will challenge them. No one will stand a chance. So you better hope that I'm right. Because if I'm not right and I'm wrong, it's going to be way worse than what I'm describing right now. More than likely, it's going to be exactly how I'm describing it right now. You're going to apply the formula of blitzing to 25, invade first, get a huge advantage, summon first. You don't need to do a single thing. You don't need to do a single thing to the boss until stack four. Stack four, wait for the guy to leave. When the guy leaves, that's it. You won. They can't stop you. They cannot stop you at that point. It's an envoy killing race. That's all it is. It's an envoy killing race. Amish Milkman. Look at the new armor perks for specific activity that Gambit Prime is showing. Do you see this is going uh, into other events, or is it concerned that a repeat offense such as making Tier 1 pointless? I mean, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know if they're going to do other activities or perks for other activities. I mean, they did They did something... Wow. I forgot that Blackout was on. This is actually really bad. We might actually fail. We might actually fail and wipe. Um, we're at 135,000. The, the the ability for them to, to do more content like that um, and to do more content like that we have, you know, where you're getting perks. They did it in Leviathan, but they didn't, they didn't ever do it again. And now they're kind of bringing it back. So I don't know if they're going to go the route of saying... If, there's, if they're going to go the route of saying, here's an activity that, you know, will really, really give you, like, cool benefits and perks, I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, it's risky to do that, I think. Because there's they don't have a loadout system in this game. There's no loadout system in this game, so there's no good way of swapping gear. So they can start to just drown us in gear that feels like a pain more than a benefit. Um, so... Thanks for the freaking Jade Rabbit. That's beautiful. That's the most unlikely drop, by the way. 
not only is it an exotic that I already have, it's a weapon. That's not supposed to happen. Uh, and it didn't help me in my leveling. So it's a double, it's a double whammy. Um, so yeah. Next question. Tragic says, good morning, Lono. Just want to say I'm loving the SNTR content lately. Uh, what do you think makes a good season? It seems that this season has fallen flat for a lot of people because it lacks basic things like vendor refresh, world update, etc. Keep it up. Thank you. That to me is what defines a season. What defines a season is not here's a new circle. Run in the circle. Because what we're left with saying, okay, what we're left with saying is we look at the map and we go, but what about this planet, this planet, this planet, this planet, this planet? We go through all the eight locations. We're like, what about those? What about all the story missions? What about all the strikes? What about nightfalls? You see what I'm saying? There's just question marks everywhere. What about all this stuff, man? What is this? What are we supposed? Why is none of this matter? You're basically doing the same thing that DLCs have always done in Destiny. You're just moving the goalpost. You're just going from here to here. It's like, well, now you're not doing anything in Destiny. You're just going on the Dreadnought and doing stuff on the Dreadnought. Like, Taken King was great, but Taken King was Destiny for us at that point. The planets, the strikes, the vendors, it was like, it was just all Taken King. So that's all that mattered to you. Rise of Iron was the same thing. They just pivoted everything to Rise of Iron. Now, in Rise of Iron, eventually they just had the vendors recycling their 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 gear every week. And I think that's an indication of what they should do now. A season should be marked by a sense of newness. All the NPCs have something new. Everything's getting sort of reset. It's kind of getting washed over with a with a theme. You know, you've got all these new perks showing up on the on the on the guns in Gambit Prime, and then those perks should also be showing up in uh, in the in the in the vendor refreshes and stuff. So it doesn't. There's no sense of newness. Like if you think about it, we're replacing the idea of here's a new story, here's a new campaign. It's all about this person, their planet, their story. That's what happened in Curse, Dark Below, House of Wolves, Warmind, okay? So, here comes Season of the Forge. Ada's is the centerpiece. Her story's actually somewhat interesting, but what ends up happening is there's no sense of newness at all. It's just go and run forges. Same thing with Drifter. Drifter's the centerpiece. He's interesting. His storyline's actually pretty cool, but it's basically go run Gambit Prime and Reckoning, and that's it. And Reckoning is strangely set up to where the tier 1 and tier 2 armor doesn't matter and you can grind for it seems like almost all of the guns from tier 2 which makes me curious about tier 1 at all and then tier 3 is only going to matter if you want armor for prime if you don't want armor for prime I don't know how much of a reason you're going to want to run to tier 3 unless the unless the uh, guns drop more if they have a higher drop rate in tier 3 so you end up basically you're just creating a small circle of content. We lost new new location. We lost a new vendor. Oh no, we got a new vendor. I'm sorry, that's not accurate. We got a new net vendor. No new location. No new strikes. Nothing happening to any of the vendors. And then we end up with a, a, a small circle of something to loop through. And listen, if that's the structure they want to go with with the annual pass, that's fine. Look at this sparrow. This thing's absurd looking. If that's the structure they want to go for the annual pass, that's fine. I think you you give that a little bit more girth by doing NPC small NPC refreshes. 
small NPC refreshes, and then maybe a new PvP map, or something, I don't know, something. Because it just feels very, very narrow because of that. You're, we lost so much, and it just honestly feels like we gained so little. Truth be told. Um, I would have taken a new, a new location and a new vendor over what we got. I would have rather had that, but I guess we kind of got that, but it was just in the form form of forges. And in this, and in this case, it's in the form of the prime and reckoning. So we did get a new vendor. We just didn't get, I mean, the locations and it, it more of an activity than a location, which again, I could be, I'm okay with that. If there's more things as well, um, do you participate uh, in the St. Jude play live? Uh, I probably will not be taking part in it this year. I did I did it the last couple of years, but my sights are set on other other things that I'm doing with my channel and that that like group and circle that does that, they have like their plan and way of doing things and that's just probably not something I'm going to be doing this year. Um, last year I went and I didn't feel like we did anything different than the year before. I didn't. Th- I, I just don't think it makes sense to go and take the tour every year. Um, I I've I've seen the facilities. It's awesome. We got to hang out with the patients. That's cool. But I think it's cool to let others go and not be doing and not be going every single time. Just because I don't know. Like I said, you're like half of the trip is a tour of the facilities, and it's just sort of like how many times can I take this tour and hear the cool stats? Right? It'd be cool for other people that haven't gone uh, to go. And then the actual charity drives themselves, the actual streams themselves. I wasn't involved last year, and I have probably have not been selected to be involved this year. I don't really run in those circles anymore, uh, and they kind of have their own approach to it. They really moved away from doing lots of Destiny streamers. It was a lot of uh, different streamers from different backgrounds, different fields, and different influences on the platform. So... My my sort of view on charity streams and stuff is I'm just in a different place right now. I just feel like a lot of the charity streams are turning into um, just it's too much about the people involved and how much money each individual person raises. And I feel like it's more it's becoming more ingrained with marketing of the broadcasters involved instead of pushing the the company Instead of pushing the organization and the cause, it feels like it's getting heavily interwoven with marketing. And I know that's part of it, and that's part of how you get more money, but it makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, so I'm reassessing what I think about using streamers and platform and our microfame for raising funds for charities because I'm uncomfortable with how it's taken shape over the years. So at the end of the day, they're probably raising more money because of those things. And that's great for the cause. But again, I just end up feeling uncomfortable because of the tone, the tone shift and how so many people have approached it. Um, I don't know, jealousy and who gets more money and stuff that I saw in the background too, behind the scenes stuff that just made me feel kind of, kind of icky. Um, so, but I'm glad to see really good causes get tons of money because that's ultimately what matters. Um, that matters more than anything else. If the means of getting it is imperfect, then I guess we just have to accept that that's the world that we live in. You know, celebrities do every, every time a celebrity does something charitable, they have to bring a camera crew and it's like good for their PR, right? But at the same time, 
that has a benefit, right? It's a double-edged sword. It gets more people aware of the drive. It probably generates more money for that cause and their celebrity and their everything that they know, everybody that knows them ends up ends up giving more money. I don't know. It just I, I get why it's done the way that it's done. Just the last couple of years, I've felt uh, strange about it. So... What is your opinion of the D2 season pass content uh, so far versus cost? Well, I mean, if you take $35, let, I mean, let's do, the, let's do the hard math here, okay? $35 for the annual pass divided by three. It's 11 and a half bucks, basically, times two. So we're, play, we're playing $23 worth of content by the time this season uh, is over, okay? Um... So that's basically the cost of Warminder Curse, okay? So what we're playing by the end of this by the end of season of the Drifter is basically what we would have spent on another DLC like Warmind or Curse. The question we have to ask is, did we get more or less content? Um, did we get more or less content than we got in like Warmind? Okay? Well, I it I don't know if we did. I don't think we did. I think if you add up four forges, okay, and then Gambit Prime and Reckoning, and then what the raid and then the events, okay, you've got to go back and look at Warmine and look at all the other free seasonal events too. There was Faction Rally. There was we, you know Iron Banner was there for for all of it. Uh, there was Trials back then. Uh. And then there was like other seasonal stuff too. Like, wasn't there? There was Crimson Days, Crimson Doubles, Dawning. All that stuff happened back then too. So those are a wash, right? Those are a wash. You you don't you don't have more or less free events. You had Solstice of Heroes. You had all those. You had all those free events as well. Center like around the around kind of like circle circling uh, circling around the content. And in Warmind, in Warmind, we got. One, we got a, a, a location, Escalation Protocol, and I think two strikes, and then we got the Sleeper Quest, and we got the Polaris Lance Quest, uh, and then a whole host of other things. Now, somebody made a good point. If Warmind would have had random rolls, that content would have lasted twice as long. Twice as long. Because you had been grinding for a God Roll, Trench Barrel, Escalation Protocol, Shotgun. Um, I just got another freaking kinetic weapon that does nothing for me. Like, you're, th- this is this is the problem with the leveling system. Even even if they fix the jumps, I can still get really really bad drops. So, Warmind would have lasted f- way longer with random rolls. Like, if you want to make a fair comparison, imagine this content. Imagine everything we got in War, uh, everything we got in fo- Black Armory, and everything we got in Season of the Drifter. Imagine all of that with static rolls. Imagine all of that was static rolls, and now we're making a fair comparison. And I think you'll quickly see there there ain't much here, man. If every time you got one, and that's kind of already happening to a certain extent, when people are getting the weapons to drop in Gambit Prime, they're dropping curated. That feels like Escalation Protocol a little bit. It's like you got the gun and you got the best possible roll because you did X, Y, or Z in the Gambit Prime game and it dropped. And so people are getting curated rolls. Well, curated rolls, if they're done properly, kind of negate all the other rolls. You know, so it's like, if you're if you're looking at if you're looking at if you're looking at that, and you're saying, okay, 
random rolls is essentially the reason this content's lasting. You've got to make that fair comparison and strip it down. You know? It's just, it's, it's, it is just one of those, it's just one of those things where they have, they have taken content away to give us more. And I don't think we're getting more. And I don't know what the cause of that is. Is it because they're focusing on the next annual pass, the next deliverable? Is it because they're trying to navigate being a self-published title? Is it because they're trying, I don't know. I don't know what the cause is, but I definitely feel like we've gotten way less content and it only feels longer because of random roles. 24 months for Mr. Thorne. That's two years, man. Thank you for the gold badge. Um, We're getting the absolute bare minimum. Yeah, because like we got a new game mode. We got a new game mode and reckoning and we got four forges. That's basically the content loop. Like, just be honest. Just ignore the... Ignore, ignore the pinnacle weapons and the exotic quest let's just ignore all that and let's look at loopable content right let's look at loopable content we got arguably less loopable content or about the same got about the same well no because escalation protocol had five bosses so escalation protocol is basically the forges I, i think those two cancel out right Simple mechanics, simple ad killing, and then and then you get a chance at at uh, at a boss, and then the and then Black Armory had that, and then it had the raid. Okay, and then it had the raid. Well, those Warmind and Warmind and Curse had the raid layers. So that's an even trade. I'm thinking on my feet here, so it's difficult for me to keep it all straight. And then in Season of the Drifter, we get Prime and Reckoning. Is there an equal to Prime and Reckoning in Warmind? Like, if Warmind is basically supposed to be equal to Drifter uh, Drifter and Forge, is does Drifter and Forge have more loopable content? I think it might actually have a little bit more loopable content. Because a new destination isn't necessarily loopable. And what, how many strikes do we get in Warmind and Curse? Two each? That's not really loopable either because there's the strikes have no purpose unless it's a nightfall. So I might be incorrect. We might actually have more loopable content now if you add it all up. Four forges, all the different prime maps, and three tiers of reckoning. We actually might have more content to loop through. It's just some of it's breaking down from an incentive perspective. Because reckoning tier one is worthless tier two sounds like it's only worth it for the guns and then tier three will be there for the armor each season after forsaken is eleven dollars so half the price of each year one dlc right drifters reckoning is close to ep forges are close to curse of osiris weapon grind yeah but at that point uh two switch you're adding up two dlcs both those dlcs at bare cost are 40 bucks I was just taking one. Warmind is 20 bucks and we basically are playing through $20 worth of content right now. If you take if you take Season of the Forge and you take Season of the Drifter and you add it all together, it's basically $20 worth of content. So it should be greater than Warmind. According to what they kind of said, we're not going to give you strikes and a new location and a story. We're going to drip feed content so there is no drought. So ultimately, when you add up, when you add up the difference between Warmind and what we have in both Forge and Drifter, I actually think we do have more loopable content. We do. 
the question is though is where's the incentive because if war again if warmine had random rolls warmine would have lasted longer if if season of the drifter and forge had static rolls it wouldn't last at all now that's a testimony to how strong random rolls are but then you have to ask the question do we actually have more quantitative content it's, I think it's difficult to compare. Yeah, and Scourge of the Past is way better than Spire of Stars as a raid encounter as well. Um, as far as playable content, all we did was grind EP and the new and a few runs of Warmind. Uh, story missions and strikes were thrown away in a week. Yeah, I. you know what? I will say we have more we have more loopable content right now than we did in those DLCs. I will admit that. I think I was overstating my case, but I will say that at the end of the day, we still need seasons to feel like more of a refresh to the game than what they feel like right now. Seasons right now don't feel like a refresh to the game. They feel like a they feel like they're giving us a tiny gymnasium to run around in for a while. And I don't think that's the best way to add new content. I think we would get more, you'd get more life out of the content if if you did upgrades to the, you know, to the vendors. I think you get way more by upgrading the vendors. Even even a minimal minimal update to the vendors would be huge. Reason for that is there's so freaking many of them. Even if you did like I said one or two armor pieces a season and one or two guns a season, that's that's a lot of different things to grind for. Um, as opposed to feeling like again you just get a new little circle to run in. And as Milo is saying, like, yeah, the rewards are an issue. Like, quantitatively, I think we can make a case that we've gotten more content. We have gotten more content. I want to admit that I initially made it sound as if we got less content, but the truth is it does seem as though we have gotten more loopable content. Much of that content's value is derived from random rolls, which isn't a problem, but it goes to show you, like, just how much value is behind us. All those weapons, all those things, all those those NPC loot pools could be repurposed and rejuvenated because they landed and didn't have random rolls and therefore never hit their full potential. Anna Bray's weapon sets, etc. Honestly, the, the, the Escalation Protocol guns, you know, those, those guns could all be refreshed. The Escalation Protocol armor sets could be fun to grind for and get the perks that you want. You know, that could be that could be a really, really good way of, again, going back and saying, you know what? We never really got that much capital out of this content. Let's redo it. And that way, listen, if I was Bungie, I would say in season one, we kind of learned our way and we kind of figured out how we can deliver content in a way so there's no droughts. In season two, in the second season, annual past season, what we want to do is figure out how not just to deliver new con- content, but to make the game feel fresh and sort of rejuvenated and have new life breathed into it in the event that the new things that we offer maybe don't maybe don't do what you want them to do, or maybe that's not stuff that you really prize. So if there's a piece of the annual pass that's really focused on, you know, Gambit or PvP or whatever, we're refreshing the full game so that you feel like the annual pass is bringing something new every time. I feel like right now they've figured out the logistical delivery of avoiding drip. I'm, I'm sorry, avoiding drought. Okay, we figured out how to not have drought. Now we need to figure out how to make things feel fresh and new. Because you're basically, again, like I, like I said, you're just giving us a new gymnasium to run around in. It doesn't feel like 
It's like, well, what about the playground equipment out there? What about that other gymnasium over there? What about this thing over here? We're not interacting with any of this stuff. You're just giving us this new activity to run circles in and nothing else is getting uh, life breathed into it. And it's just a huge, huge missed opportunity, I think, for making the game feel fresh and new every couple of months. So... I really do think the NPCs and replenishing, refreshing their 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 and their loot every season. You reset their rank. There's new things to chase, new ornaments, new decorative things, or whatever on top of the gear. Then you have a giant game with new stuff and then rejuvenated stuff. You kind of have to do both. Right now, we're only getting new. I feel like they're gun shy about recycling content because everybody moans about that. But I really do feel like if they attack it from both sides. Here's here's what we're gonna do. There's a there's a rejuvenation aspect and there's and there's a new aspect. You're getting both. Yeah, IO IO games with IO IO gear with random rolls would be awesome. You know? And if you think about it, what they're doing right now, like the the, the new perks on the guns in Gambit Prime, those new perks could be essentially a theme. A thematic establishing thing like hey all the NPCs have you know have have one or two new guns this season and they have some of the new perks on them you know and those new perks could feel thematically tied to the new activity I mean come on the the getting rapid kills and feeding that auto rifle and the getting kills and feeding your grenade uh, energy those perks feel built for reckoning I mean come on tell me they don't feel built for gambit and reckoning they do they feel built for fast ad killing like keep on the move don't play slow and methodical so that's the way that that's the way I think they could do it it's not just that you're rejuvenating Devrim K's inventory you're giving him new roles on guns that could have a thematic thrust tied to the actual theme of the new stuff as well uh nip Niput, Sam. so this is a long one but I made it to 683 on my second character and can easily make it to 690 with my third but with the whole soft cap supposedly being raised to 690 is it even worth grinding as a whole character in one day I mean I would do it just to get rid of the milestones before the reset happens um, once you hit 691 and 696 there's no real reason to hit 700 it's not going to change your experience and there's not almost there at this moment there's no content you even need to be that high for that getting into the 690 delta is going to be important for tier 3 now there's no soft cap at 690 what he means is once you get to 690 everything slows down so they've said that they're going to fix the the power level jumps are not working properly right now now i'm not saying that they're fixing the leveling hear me out leveling still deeply flawed but when you do like your flashpoint milestone and it's giving you an item that's like one power above your current power like let's say you're 660 and it gives you a drop at 661 that's not really supposed to happen that's supposed to happen when you're 690 it's supposed to slow down when you hit 690 and it's treating you as if it's supposed to be slow right now that fix is coming in the next few months I don't think it's going to take a few months for them to fix that no way no, they said there's maintenance today for the hotfix coming. That's not going to take a few months to fix. Um, but that, again, is not necessarily going to take away the frustrations of leveling. If you're getting big jumps and you get energy weapons, a bunch of them in a row, that still isn't going to level you up. You're still going to be stuck, frustrated at the lack of uh, at the lack of, of, of jump. Uh, 
Tiffin 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 Asser Tiffin Asser says what do you think of instead of the annual pass splitting into three season it mixed and sprinkled across the year one week black army one church. I actually said that the other day I was like you know what we probably wouldn't have done we probably wouldn't have gotten so miffed by this content if it was here's a new forge and then the next week is here's a here's a tier of reckoning with a new gambit with with gambit prime and then the next week uh here's another forge and then the next week here's something from penumbra here's the reason why i i think they may have not done that okay the reason they didn't do that is if you're trying to get people matchmaking in forges or if you're trying to get people to match make into Gambit Prime, it, you wouldn't want to basically, you would not want to sp- fragment the player base. You know, you, you, it would it would it would fragment the player base. We need triple and gigs at the next summit. Gigs went to the summit. What are you talking about? Gigs was there. Connor was at the summit. And he even said after the summit that he thought they should be doing them regularly and bringing people and bringing new new faces out and bringing some people back to continue the conversation. Giggs was there. Triple got left out. Triple and I and Lumi are the ones that didn't get invited. Not Giggs was there. Um, and he called for more of them after the first. I think he sensed that there there was more that was going to need to be done. I think Connor knew it was like this is going to help, but this isn't enough. Like for he, I think when he looked at the whole of what they were bringing in Forsaken, he's a longtime Destiny veteran. I think Connor knew it's like this is going to be good, this is going to be good, but it ain't it ain't it ain't going to be this ain't this ain't fixing Destiny long term. We're going to need to think through other things. It's like when it's like the minute you get into content and you really start to kind of see, you're like okay, wait, and you start looking and you're grinding. And that's why the minute I saw that trailer for Season of the Drifter, that vid doc, I was like, dude, I'm worried. And I wasn't worried because I'm a naysayer or a gambit hater. I was like, I can kind of see the limitations of content like that because we've been through the gamut. We played Dark Below. We played House of Wolves. Like I've, I've been, I've been in this game since day one beta. And I don't know. I immediately knew. And everybody's like, you're being a naysayer, Lono. Why are you being so negative? Give it a chance. And I was just like, just watch. <laughs> just watch and see if I'm wrong. Because this looks really narrow and really risky. And I hope that I still think we haven't seen how the player base has responded. I still could be wrong. Because the player base numbers look pretty good over the weekend. We'll have to wait and see. You know. But do you remember, Lono, that you didn't get invited to the summit? You know, I don't care about that. Those guys can make 18,000 accounts and make fun of me for that. I don't care. Like, the summit served its purpose. They should be doing more, you know? And I don't care that I don't get any attention. I don't care that I don't get slobbered on on Twitter. That's not why I play this game and make content. Uh, is flows. Is, uh, with this... I mean, the real question to ask is this. The real question to ask is this. Okay. The content creators that get, you know, fawned over and slobbered on on Twitter every time they're like, I'm going to check out Destiny, I'm excited or whatever. And then all of Bungie staff descends on their Twitter to look, like, oh, oh, yay, whoa, so excited. It's like they get all this attention. The real question to ask is, how long do those people hang with the game? How long? How much content are they putting out and saying, Here's what's good, here's what's bad, here's how to fix it. Or is it just a bunch of glib positivity that then fades within a day or two? Or a week? Right? That's the question we should be asking. Like, 
who are you focusing on who are you listening to who has your ear and 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 if you're focusing on those people there should be a follow-up question (laughs) and if the answer to that question is well they're not really playing it that much after a week they're not really playing it that much after a day or two they're not really contributing to the conversation then maybe it's time to reassess maybe it's time to reassess thank you t warren uh, for 21 months and J and J brown uh with the prime sub thank you is flows with the next season or dlc do you have to rebuy the annual pass or buy it to unlock uh permanent well there is no permanent pass you buy the annual pass and that includes the three things joker's wild penumbra and forge and then when they if they do another annual pass at the end of this year you've got to buy it again you have to buy it again that's like a it's like a normal thing um that's 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 like buying that's like buying the season pass and then buying the next season pass you know what i mean 24 months from wtf game nation that is two years there's some positive loyal homies right there give those guys a follow if you don't uh if you haven't done that yet um Bungie rarely acknowledges the regular Joe players. Now, no, I will disagree with that, Robbies. I think Bungie does a really good job of interacting with regular Joe players on Reddit and the forums and Twitter. They actually do a very good job of interacting with the average the average player. I just think that there's a clear there's a clear philosophy behind who they interact with with respect to content creators, and I think that the philosophy is entirely uh, it's got enormous vacancies and. Um, and to a certain extent, it has massive and glaring shortcomings. Like, listen, if I were a viewer, okay, I'll be honest, I would get a little miffed seeing, seeing certain people get all this attention and all this love and all this just social media slobber when they barely touch the game and they only come back for a little bit here and there, their feedback's generic and then they move on, Okay. I, I, if I was a viewer, I'd be like, I don't understand why you guys are giving these people so much attention. They barely touch the game. They don't really seem to care. Now, I'm not saying that streamers should stay in the directory all day long, every day, all day, every day. That's not what I'm saying. But if I was a viewer and a member of the community, I'd be like, who are you really paying attention to and interacting with? It seems like you're just paying attention to people who are going to get clicks and views on the game that first week. And that's all that really matters at this point. There doesn't seem to be an investment in the people that are investing. Right? Does it? Does that make sense? There's no investment in the people that are investing. So, that and and that's fine. That that can be their philosophy. A lot of game companies do that. They're gonna get all jazzed and go nuts when really really big streamers and big Twitter people with big Twitter followings talk about the game. But it's just sort of like many of us have been here faithfully streaming the game and talking about it and how to improve it and. We are we are noticeably ignored, and I just don't think that's a. I think that's a very. Un, I think the way they've handled it is very unprofessional. It just comes across as very unprofessional. You know, I get more interaction from Bioware devs in a month than I've gotten in four years, and I'm not saying I deserve it because I'm a content creator, but it's like if you're in the community and you're contributing, it just seems very very. The whole thing seems odd, and I don't know if it's like. I don't know. It's weird, right? Gigs got ignored for like three years. No community focus. They didn't. They seem to intentionally ignore 
Connor. And then all of a sudden, he's always getting interaction. They're always joking with him on Twitter. He got invited to the summit. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's just super weird. I don't understand it. He didn't deserve to be ignored for those many years. He was a faithful player. He played trials. He was a god-tier player. He was a positive guy. And he got ignored to the point that people were like making petitions to be like, would you do a community focus on gigs? At the time, Giggle Monster? When Lumi said he quit D2, Deej, uh, Dylan, and Cosmo all unfollowed him. Well, yeah, like, and I don't, again, I don't understand it. In my mind, you would want to interact with as many people as possible. I got unfollowed by Kevin Yanes and John Wisniewski just out of nowhere. I didn't understand it. I was like, what did I do? I'm here every day talking about the game, question answer with the community, promoting positivity, and just out of the blue, you unfollow me? Like, what? Why? What did I do? What did I say? It doesn't make any sense. Why not just continue to interact with the community? Why, why like, close yourself off from certain people? It doesn't make any sense. The Bioware guys have been so clear that they want to hear from everybody. They, they, they respond to everybody. Average Joe, streamer, mid, small, big, giant, doesn't matter. Like their interaction with the community has been has been literally an indictment of how other companies interact with their with 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 content creators. It's like an indictment. It's like why the frick aren't you interacting with all these people? It just you know, and and then it's just all this inside joking now and stuff. I just think it looks embarrassing, to be honest. It just looks embarrassing. It's like there needs to be a complete overhaul of the way you interact with the community because it just looks weird. I, it, again, if I was on the sidelines, I would not appreciate the way that it looks. You've got you've got leveling systems and enhancement core systems and decisions that have gone completely ignored and unaddressed. And then the people that were like behind the ideas barely touch the game and get like slobbered on on Twitter. And then and then those people ba- like they move on, add nothing to the conversation and don't really give two fricks about whether or not the community engagement numbers are good. Come watch me play the new content. Peace. Deuces. I'm out. Like, that's literally it. That's 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 the extent of their engagement. And I'm not saying that doesn't have value. That does have value. But that, that that's all you're focusing on, I think that's entirely flawed. That's entirely flawed. Focusing on the big guys is smart. It makes sense. Do it. Every company should. Every company should be schmoozing the big boys to get them to play your game. That 100% is something they should be doing. But if that's all you're doing, if that's all you're doing, then it starts to look a little weird, right? It just looks weird. Salty Rob with 15 months. Thank you so much. It starts to look tone deaf, honestly. It just looks tone deaf. It's like, do you even pay attention to, like, the fact that these guys barely touch the game? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things where, why do they get all the attention? Like, that's what I would be saying as a viewer. That's what I would be saying as a viewer. There are plenty of other folks that, you know, are are doing good things. And I'm not even talking about myself here. I don't give a rip. SNTR presents, and what I do is established. You can't hurt me. You can't knock me down a peg. I don't care how many people you promote and, 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 and push to the top it doesn't matter you can't hurt me this isn't about me there's plenty of people investing in good dialogue and good things every day and promoting positivity and plenty of people have been asking for certain things to be reverted and changed and they get ignored and it just feels it just feels very tone deaf and one-sided right now uh 
3G says, what's your advice for someone wanting to return to Destiny after several months of not playing? If you've not been playing for several months, I would just take it in piecemeal. I mean, I don't know if you've touched Forsaken. I thought the story in Forsaken was phenomenal. I thought the... I thought the... Um, the way they handled the Barons was freaking brilliant. I don't know why. I have no idea why that they didn't... Um, why they didn't let us replay those ba- those Baron fights like weekly. They're so, so good. Um, I don't know. I would start there. If you're done with that, then I actually think right now, if you start from Forges to Drifter, there's a lot of stuff for you to do. The question you have to ask is, are you going to enjoy the Forge grind? If so, there's tons of stuff each week to chase. Tons of weapons with cool rolls. And if you like Gambit, Gambit Prime's got a lot of stuff for you to do. But if you don't like Gambit Prime, Drifter's not really going to pull you in. That speaks to community interaction. People want to interact with those that the devs deem important. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know. To me, it's, it's not about, it's not about giving everybody a shot. It's not about, hey, pay attention to me. That's not, that's not the point that I'm making. This isn't like my weird campaign to get invited to an event. I, like, I, I genuinely don't go after that sort of stuff. I haven't gone after that sort of stuff in a long time. I, in years past, really felt this strong motivation to be included and in, in, involved in stuff, and I don't feel that anymore. Because I see the tenuousness of it. I see, like, it doesn't do much for you. It's... You get, you get some love on like a tweet and some pictures. You get to kind of boast and brag. I'm like, look who I'm hanging out with. And that's essentially the end of it. It doesn't do anything for streams long term. So from a, di- a business standpoint, I don't care. It, it, it's not about that. It's about the game and the community. I've always tried to champion what I felt was best for the community. Not what's best for me. Not what's best for me and my grind. Because to be fair... To be fair, the more grind they add, the more tedious activities they add, the better that suits me and what I do as a streamer. That's what I, that's what that that benefits me, and I preach against things that benefit me all the time. I do. You don't think staggering the enhancement grind and the infusion grind and the leveling grind, you don't think staggering that benefits me? It really benefits me. It gives me tons of just mundane content to slog through while talking with you guys. And yet I rail against it. I rail against content that's great for me as a streamer because I don't think it's good for the community at large. And I don't think their focus on on fair weather fans of the game at this point because they have a big following I don't think that's going over well with the community I see comments all the time about I don't get like Coke Logic tweeted about it the other day he's like I can't get a response I asked a question and get nothing and then this person asked and you respond to them right away like you've got you've clearly got your, your and he, he obviously got very angry I almost replied to him with the James Franco first time gif like first time <laughs> like just your first time getting ignored <laughs> so it's one of those things where I think at this point there needs to be either another community summit or some form of of like an interaction with the community that is f- more fully orbed that says 
here's everything we did with Forsaken, here's what we did with the annual pass, what do you think? How did it go over? How did the community respond to it? And then Bungie could contribute to that conversation and say, here's what the player base numbers said, okay? We saw this happen in Forge, and we saw it start to go down here, here, and here. What do you think that could be attributed to? And the community can speak into that. Okay, here's Season of the Drifter. Here's how well you guys responded. Community numbers. Here's where the biggest drops were. What do you guys attribute that to? What did you like? What did you not like? And And then have that open line of communication. The only way that the next annual pass is going to be improved if they have that type of back and forth. Because if not, I, I worry, here's what I worry, is that we're always in reaction mode. Forsaken was a reaction. Destiny 2, vanilla, awful. Forsaken is a reaction. The DLCs of House Below, Dark Below, Warmind, Curse of Osiris were not received that well. Annual pass is a reaction. It's a it's a pivot away from something else. A sharp pivot away from something else. So, I, in in that regard, I would worry that whatever they do next could potentially be another reaction, which doesn't push the ball further down the field. It's more of a lateral movement. Forsaken pushed the ball down the field. It did. It made huge improvements to Destiny 2, getting rid of double primary, bringing random roles, the story, the locations, excellent. The raid, excellent, okay? But I don't feel like the annual pass is moving the ball down the field. It feels lateral. It just, it it literally feels lateral. It's like we've moved to the side. We haven't moved further down the field. We haven't actually done the... Oh, this is the, you know this is another step forward for the game. Okay, we've got the double primary gone, random rolls gone, and then drip feed's supposed to be like the capstone to that. And it doesn't feel like the capstone; it just feels like a lateral shift to the side. That again is more baked with reaction than pr- like proaction. And I feel like they could be more proactive with the next annual pass if there's more influence. So. And to the person that's going to make 18 more accounts today because your life's empty and you're a complete and utter waste of oxygen and life, I'm not ignoring my family by sitting down here. I know you like to say that. This is how I provide for my family. This is literally what I do uh, for a living, and I provide for them. So I guess the guy who works an eight-hour shift at the bank is neglecting his family as well. But again, when you're a pea-brained Neanderthal, it's difficult to come up with original insults since you've said that one probably a thousand times before today. So I provide very well for my wife and children. Thank you very much. I probably contribute more to their life and society than you do at all because you spend your life here making extra accounts and being a complete and utter loser. Grizzle Pup, do you have any feelings about the current state of the comp ladder? Do you think that doubling glory gains and losses is a good change? I feel like they're pushing more people away from comp. I feel like they're pushing more people away from comp. Because... Here's the thing, when 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 they did the when they did the 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 bounties in trials, okay? When they did the bounties in trials. It it put people in trials that were just there to get the bounties, and they need a spirit of that in in the comp playlist. That there's no spirit of like just come in and there's there's good there's good rewards, there's good things here uh, for you. They don't have that. So, like, comp is turning into an absolute sauna. It's just a sweat. It's a total sweat fest. And the solution is 
like Bungie needs to look back and say what was in the spirit of the of the trials bounties that made people go into trials even though they were more casual because I did Lona was in trials I didn't care about winning I didn't care about going flawless I was just doing the trials bounties each weekend it was something to do it was a fresh experience I didn't play trials all that much it was a way to get some trials gear but what you do with a more punish like you lose more for losing, okay? So they up the punishment for losing. That's a stiff arm to casuals, right? And then you stiff arm anybody who just wants to go in there and kind of have a good time because there's just a grind for a weapon. I got the Siva projection. That's the one that I wanted. That's exciting. Um, now, shouldn't caught be sweaty by definition? Here's the thing, okay? Trials is supposed to be competitive by definition, and so is and so is the comp playlist. Okay, I'm not denying that. What I'm saying is, is that you make the playlist, I think, more sweaty than it needs to be. I'm not saying that it should be easy breezy, just go in and have a good time. That I haven't even said that once. I've said, capture the spirit of those trials bounties. What did trials bounties do? It filled the funnel with more players. That's a good value point for you if you're going in and you're trying to matchmake. Why is that a good value point for you? Well, because it, the matchmaking goes a little bit quicker. I'm not constantly, I'm not constantly getting faced with, you know, stack sweat, stack sweat, stack sweat. It's here and there. It's good to have a sweat game every once in a while, but you don't want every game to be a sweat game. And then if you went flawless in trials, the rewards were better than the ones from the bounties. If they can recapture, okay. If you recapture that sentimentality, you're going to put more people in the funnel. Matchmaking goes faster, connection quality is better because there's more people per region for you to match with, and the games are not sweaty every single time. There would probably be like rhythmic sweat. Every once in a while, you go up against a team that's at your level or above your level, and you like sweat your balls off. I talked about this with skill-based matchmaking a long time ago. When skill-based matchmaking was very clearly turned off, I was in games where every team had one or two potatoes, one or two average players, and then one or two slayers, right? One or two slayers. And so every game, there was I had a dynamic engagement. There were the guys that I knew, once I saw their name, this will be a pretty easy gunfight. I might even get a double here. These two these two kind of dum-dums here on this capture point aren't going to be that hard to get. And then there was the guy that, like, I knew if he shot first, he was going to win the fight, right? You know and you feel in the game who's at your level and who's not. So all throughout the game, I'm having different experiences, okay? Skill-based matchmaking that funnels people together and they're all huddled around the exact same um, like efficiency ratings and win ratio ratings well it's like every fight is almost a trade you're like whew barely beat that guy whew barely beat that guy and the score is like neck and neck every kill is a sliver away from being a trade because everyone's skill is very close together well that gets really old really fast there's no dynamics there's no up and down there's no mid to low engagements And that's good for everybody. The low engagement players, the crappy players can kill crappy players. They can maybe kill the mid-tier guys and feel pretty good about that. And they might actually slowly improve if they do that. I say all that to say this. If you take the the potatoes and the mid-tier players and you give them every reason under the sun to never go into comp, all you're left with in comp are those sweatheads. And then they get bored too. 
connectivity takes longer connection quality goes down because there's less people in the region to match them with so you start matching them outside their region so they're waiting they're waiting in matchmaking longer they're playing against people whose connection quality is bad and they're sweating every single game it just compounds the problem and gets worse and worse and worse with time But if the funnel was full of potatoes and mid-tier players because you had something in the spirit of the trials bounties putting basically anybody in there that's interested in the weapons, then everybody's having a better experience. The more casual players, they're getting something for their time. They're getting some type of a bounty turnover rate. They're getting some cool weapons. The hardcore guys that want to go for the recluse, they want to go for the SMG, they want to go for the pinnacle, they want to go for the comp rating and the comp resetting, they're literally going in and they're like, this ain't so bad. Connections are better. Matchmaking's not taking as long. And I'm not sweating every single game. It's that simple. Like, Trials was at its best right before Rise of Iron. I don't know about the meta. I don't know about the meta. But Trials right before Rise of Iron was at its best. Everybody was just going in and playing. They were all doing the bounties. And then as soon as people learned in Rise of Iron that the bounties didn't give them new gear, they vacated Trials. They vacated Trials even more once Iron Banner helped them hit max level because people were running the bounties for the, for, to, to, to try to level up. But as soon as they could use Iron Banner to level up, everybody complained the week after Iron Banner that Trials matchmaking took longer and was way sweatier. So... Ultimately, I don't play a lot of comp, but I think that's one of the main problems with comp is they just don't fill the funnel. And here's the thing you would probably see less DDoSing. What? How, why would that affect DDoSing? Because people don't want to go to the trouble of DDoSing if they know they're just going to naturally win enough games because if they stack up, most of the teams they go against are probably not going to challenge them. Why? You're filling the funnel with average and lower skilled player. There's more of them in the community. There's always way more average to below average players. It's a mathematical fact. There's always the you know the top 10%, the top 20%, and then everybody else d- down below is like the meteor portion of pretty much every single PvP community. So people would DDoS less often. They'd be like, dude, I'm not going to risk getting banned DDoSing. We're winning most of our games. We don't need to DDoS. Because we're going up against a more different, a a, a broader swath of players. And that broader swath is just bringing us deserved wins because we're good players. Now, there might still be bad players in the mix that DDoS. But if you stack up in a playlist that's full of low to mid to high tier players, I think DDoSing would go down. So I, I don't I don't know why they're they're basically turning comp into a self imploding playlist. Did they honestly think making it more punishing for losing was going to, to, to help the playlist? I don't understand. Like people people DDoS because they don't want to lose, they wanna win. And Bungie's like, here's a real rich idea. I've got an idea. Why don't we make losing more punishing? So <laughs> because that'll really help the playlist. It's just like who's in charge, man? Who made that decision? It doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me at all. <clears throat> Leviathan, uh, game still has issues for solo players, especially when roles start to take place after tier three. How would you fix it? I feel grinding uh, it will die. I feel like Gambit should have been completely overhauled and retooled after the first month when it became a, it became apparent that racing to twenty five and having a really strong exotic was all you needed uh, to win. Uh, it was a very it was a very clear and very apparent one dimensional game mode very soon after launch, and I think they should have 
quickly decided to start retooling it uh, and making it more of a Tetris match. I believe banking moats should be more about sending buffs, uh, granting buffs to your teammates or debuffs to the other team, and it should be more about trying to combat and react to the other team. Oh, they sent a debuff. We better do this. Oh, we sent a buff. We better do this. There's a back and forth, and then you're summoning around the same time. And if invasion was not part of the equation, then people would just master melting and doing high damage, and you could do you know, you could do health checkpoints where once you do so much damage, you got to go to the next thing. That way you can't literally just get to tier two and destroy the guy. But there's more of a back and forth. Buffs and debuffs being sent during the fight to slow or expedite things over and over again. They didn't go that way. So invasion goes from being the single greatest and most important thing. You invade at 25 and that determines 90% of games. And then invasion during the boss fight is completely inconsequential as long as you know the strategy of bum-rushing envoys and ignoring the boss. If you bum-rush the envoy, you secure that stack, it's now on a countdown and you're not using it. So it doesn't matter if they invade and kill you. So once people learn that meta, I think Gambit's gonna get I think Gambit Prime's gonna be worse than Gambit. Because I think Gambit Prime Honestly, we went back to normal Gambit. I went back to normal Gambit and I felt more of a sense of back and forth in normal Gambit than I did in Gambit Prime. Gambit Prime is literally a snowball runaway with it game mode. It's That's what it is. It's designed that way. It's super easy to exploit it and not exploit it in a bad way or like a or like a skeezy way. It's just easy to see the the runway lights and where to and where to take your plane. It's super easy. I have more back and forth in regular Gambit now than Gambit Prime. So Gambit Prime feels less competitive. It feels like a steamroll snowball every freaking game. And I know I was solo queuing, but even when I went in with buddies in normal Gambit, I felt like there was more of a back and forth and I don't know why. So I've come back from a really bad game in Gambit. It's doable. It's doable against stupid teams, though. Every single time, every single time someone comments on my YouTube video about Gambit Prime and they say, we had a game the other day and we came back. You know what they always give away in their comments? That they're playing against a stupid team that's doing damage on the early stacks. You will never, and I mean never catch my team if we summon first in Prime and we get in the rhythm where we get that stack. Get the stack. You can invade and kill all of us. Doesn't freaking matter. The stack's on a countdown. We're not doing any damage to the boss. There is no coming back. We haven't damaged the boss. All you have to do is follow the envoy spawn rate and nuke them as soon as they spawn, and you'll never, ever catch us. The slim, thin layer of chance to catch us is if you can bake it. At, at tier two, two stacks, if you can bake at stack two because you're doing what Redeem does, that's tough to begin with, to pull off. They're some of the best players in the game, right? If you're going to bake it like Redeem does, you'd still have to come over and slow us down. You would still you would still have to come over and slow us down, and you can't. Because all we have to do is, is if we know this team seems pretty good, they're kind of on our, on our heels, we need to try to bake at stack three. We're going to get to stack three before you get to stack two. And when we get to stack three, we literally don't kill the last envoy. We just wait for you to go. We just wait for you to leave. We kill that last envoy. You're not, you can't stop us. You just invaded. And then we melt. We melt at stack three. You can't catch us. Now, I'm not saying they need catch-up mechanics. I'm saying that the game's one-dimensional, so apply the formula, and you're going to win 90% of the time. And so, they would need to retool the entire game. You know? 
it's just one of those it's just one of those things where I, I think there just needed to be more mechanics and more back and forth but I think the real true danger the real true danger is that people don't even kill the envoys now they don't even know how to do they don't even know how to do the game mode they don't it's just one of those things where it's just one of those things where it it doesn't it doesn't matter like I was complaining about the peskiness of invasion but then we won like 40 games in a row so it's like it, it's it's just one of those things where when you're in that lane and you're doing that and you slowly figure that out, more and more people are going to do the same thing. Nova hands. Hey, Lono, isn't activity-specific armor uh, what we've been begging for? Yes, yes, but the problem is, is we need loadouts. If I can't go in here and quickly change my loadout, I don't think you're going to want to have people with three or four different armor sets. You need the ability to do your own loadouts. Dirty spells. What are the best weapons in for PvP right now? Lunas and a Not Forgotten are the two most commonly used uh, primaries. And then a Dust Rock Blues is like the most common shotgun used. Karo, uh, Karo's Zert uh, TV says, what, are, uh, what do you think about a new campaign? I just don't know if we're going to get a new campaign in Destiny 2. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't know if they're going to try and do that in the annual pass content. Spartan Spondy, do you think you're comparing the entire season of Black Armory to the first week of the Drifter? No, I'm not, because I'm looking at all of... Listen, if you think I've been unfair in my comparison, then talk to me in three weeks. Okay? Talk to me in three weeks. Because I don't think I'm off the mark, and I don't think I'm being presumptive. It's not difficult to look at the map and the, and the calendar for Season of the Drifter and communicate and say... If you don't like Gambit Prime, there's not a lot for you. And then the only real grind is then Tier 2 Reckoning for the weapons. I don't need to play the entire season to know that Tier 1 and Tier 2 armor is worthless. Like, it doesn't serve a purpose. So, if you think I'm wrong, just talk to me in three weeks and we'll see if I'm wrong. I, I will gladly watch the player numbers each week, each day, and I will gladly say... I was off the mark. The community is responding positively. I will happily say that. Uh, hyped Dutch. do You do a good breakdown on what is wrong, for example, with Gambit Prime, but what could they change in the game mode? I have a whole talk on this, so I'm not going to revisit this. I just kind of outlined some changes I think they could do to Gambit Prime to make it better, so I'm not going to restate that now. I have a whole video. I think I've made it pretty clear what they could do instead of making Invasion so important. Invasion goes from being important to not important at all. Uh, hey Shiz, how would you rework your Reckoning Tier 1 and 2 to make them useful once you unlock Tier 3? They should be upgradable with synths. If I get a really, really great roll on a Tier 1 pair of gauntlets, I should be able to level those up. It should just be expensive so that you're not completely negating Tier 3. Because if all you have to do is grind Tier 1 for God Rolls and then level those up because it's cheaper, it needs to be pretty dadgum expensive to level something up. To motivate people to say, it's just more worth it to do 3 and to gamble for Tier 3. Like, if you make it if you make it to where you can always take a Tier 1 up to Tier 2 and then up to Tier 3, if that process is cheap, no one grinds Tier 3. Everyone's going to grind Tier 1 until they get a God Roll and then they'll level the armor up. So there's two potential problems here. They can negate tier three if they're not careful by making tier one super, like basically the best place to farm. Uh, Greater 14. Do you think that our reason to grind was made thin on purpose because Bungie wants to give time for Anthem and Division 2 to fizzle out? 
I get this question a lot. I really don't think Bungie gutted their own content or diluted their own content because of Anthem and Division. I really don't think that they would do that. I think maybe they might have had stuff on the on the, on the docket and they said, you know what? Let's shove that in the summer. The summer will be our stronger bounce back time. I don't think they looked at this content and said, make it thin, make it boring. I don't think they talk like that. Um, you know, because of Anthem and Division. Uh, Snavarette, why does it feel as if the game targets your highest level gear instead of the lowest? Because I think they elongate content by ripping you off. They've done it for a long time. Um, <laughs> I think people that play the least have better RNG. I think people have loot pool seeds and, and, and drop rate propensities that elongates content. The more you play, I think the more information you give them. And I think the more information you give them, the more that influences those things. Mac 2099. I heard it mentioned, but uh, what is the actual point of the three different Gambit Prime armor sets, and how do you get the guns from Reckoning? You just farm Reckoning 2, and the guns can drop at the end. They're not guaranteed. They can. And then Tier 2 and Tier 3, you grind for those because those give you stronger perks. That If you're trying to get a collector set, you want each piece to be adding three points of collector points. Tier 1 just adds one point. So each tier adds the number that it is, right? Tier 1 adds one point per piece. Tier two adds two points, and tier three adds three. So if you're wanting to get those, if you're wanting to get those perks, then you, you want the higher pieces. Selix, uh, you think Bungie will eventually raise the older raids light levels to make them more relevant in the future? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if they would um, if they would do that. They could do an Age of Triumph style thing and give you that, but I don't know if they would raise them. That would feel a little out of step. Uh, Gracula, do you think annual pass content is simply Minuscule weapon improvements is worth it. I'm not a fan of the content. Equals, um, here's a maybe better weapon you can use. Well, to a certain extent, what are they supposed to do? That would be my question to you. They can't reinvent the archetypes and the damage structures of the game every season. That's a ludicrous expectation. So what would you have them do? I mean, that's a genuine question. I'm not trying to be, like, mean. I think adding new guns with new perks that behave and act differently... I think the breakneck is the key. The breakneck is a primary weapon that performs at a pinnacle performance. It's very, very efficient. And uh, when you have that weapon, it's a great it's a great weapon to use instead of uh, instead of your other weapons. You can't give us better gear than we have. Do you understand? Does, does do you understand? You can't get a stronger primary than the Midnight Coup. You can't get a stronger secondary than some of the shotguns. Shotguns are still great, by the way. You can't get stronger heavies than the heavies we have now. You can only give us heavies, secondaries, and primaries that are equal in efficiency. That's just it. A new season is new perks and new weapons, and the perks make the guns handle a little bit differently. That's generally how they're going to do it. I don't know what else you expect them to do, truth be told. Uh, Pentager, don't you think Season of the Drifter seems very Gambit-focused so far? Yeah, I talked about that numerous times today. This question's sort of a, a softball. Yep, it's super focused on Gambit, and that's really narrow, and I think it's going to hurt the the the, the, con- the the content's reception long-term. Dante Norris, you mentioned this before uh, your preview of Season of the Drifter, but having had close to a week, uh, do you agree that Bungie's decision to double down on trying uh, the Reckoning heavily, on tying the Reckoning heavily to Gambit Prime? Well, I applaud them for allowing us to farm for weapons in Tier 2. I do. I think that's a good thing. I I like the idea that you can do specific things in Gambit Prime to get a very high likelihood of them dropping, but 
being able to farm for the guns in Reckoning Tier 2, I think is a great choice. It's fast, it's bombastic, it's exciting. I I still think Ada's bounties are superior, but hey, you know, that's just me. Because if I could farm Reckoning over and over again in every couple of runs, I had a completed bounty, and that completed bounty gave me that specific gun, I could target whatever gun she's featuring that week. Well, in this case, it would be Drifter. Portante, one of the biggest disagreements with you, uh, one of the one of my biggest disagreements with you is that not everything can get buffed. Nerfs are needed sometimes. Being powerful and broken are two different things. This game is at its best when there are more weapons you can use in PVE, PVP, not just a handful. Well, you're not disagreeing with me. You're stating something that I agree with, which is why rapid fire shotguns needed reined in because they were leaving their lane and they were functioning as a power weapon. In that regard, I agree with you. I made what I thought were pretty convincing arguments that the ammo nerf to Whisper, the nerf to Machine Guns, and the nerf to Sleeper were unnecessary. They didn't change anything. Whisper is still the the god-tier DPS weapon, okay? Because you can miss six shots before the different ammo currency really affects DPS. Missing shots will always screw your damage on the Whisper, whether you have nine shots or 20 shots. Unnecessary nerf. The nerf to Machine Guns unnecessary they didn't need to do it they were not running away they were not outclassing other weapons to the degree that they needed checked in and the sleeper again why there was no reasoning given there was no argumentation given they just nerfed those three weapons cuz and in doing so they do it in the same swing as making grenade launchers rocket launchers and the the 1k voices and the Wardcliffe coil stronger. You don't think it's coincidental that everything they buffed was outside of what they nerfed? Like, come on. Put put your thinking cap on with me, add a little tin foil to it and really look at what they did. They targeted all these weapons and nerfed them and anything that was outside of that with those weapon archetypes, they buffed. It's their their brain they're breaking the train they're breaking the train so you play with the other stuff they made 1k stronger because it was never strong enough you get seven shots 1k was not strong enough it was only strong on pc because it was getting extra damage because of frame rate differences on console 1k was not strong enough to be a raid only exotic it was weak you only get seven shots you have to you have to run a freaking perk just to have an extra mag on hand so 1k got buffed and it feels good now I still don't think it has enough ammo three bullets on reserve is an insult at least give it four on reserve or at the least give it like six on reserve so it's got like a mag and a half on reserve I just I don't understand that the the ammo economy on the whisper is is I'm sorry on the 1k voices is honestly stupid it doesn't make any sense uh, the 23% total damage is a bug, right? Well, no, 1K was supposed to get a 25% damage buff. That was supposed to happen. For whatever the frick reason, when you're using it, it buffs everything. 1K, according to the notes, was supposed to get a flat 25% buff in PvE. I don't know about PvP. So, Portante, I'm actually a big fan of the annual pass so far, uh, as it was I was expecting. However, the season updates have been awful. Lack of vendor updates, I think, is a bigger stalling point than the annual pass itself. See, you're agreeing with me then. I said that I basically think the main issue is there's no sense of newness and freshness. It's just, here's a new gymnasium to run circles in. If you don't like the gymnasium, then tough luck. You're going to hate the content. Uh, Ashen... 
Annihilator. Miss the talk, so feel free to skip if it is was included in that. I cannot get myself to like Gambit Prime. The constant invasions are just grating, so by that extension, I feel the reckoning is from is not for me since the rewards that are since those rewards are primarily for Gambit Prime, though I do like it's a horde mode. Uh, does the road ahead offer anything for players like me? Enough even to level up. Yes, in case you've missed it, Annihilator, you can grind Reckoning Tier 2. It's actually really fun with good team comp and the guns can drop at the end. That's what I would do with my time. I know that's mega one-dimensional. At least the Forges had you, like, going into different areas and public events and patrols and lost sectors, and then you could go into three different, you know, four different Forges. I know that it could get really repetitive, but the the ads change, and I don't know. It's really addicting. Honestly, when you're grinding for a weapon like the Warden's Law, you're going to run the Nightfall over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and that's been present in Destiny since Destiny 1. So if you're wanting to grind for weapons, running the Reckoning over and over again is actually fun, it's fast, and any of the weapons can drop. So the broader loot pool can be a little bit of a frustration to your agency if you keep getting like the sidearm, but at the very least, you can do that if you want. Portante, would you ever be for a pinnacle or exotic weapon nerfs if it allows for more accessibility in different loadouts? No. You don't need to nerf anything right now. You don't need to nerf anything. Listen, it's so simple. It's so, so simple. Just track with me here. The Midnight Coup and the Breakneck are pinnacle they're at the ceiling weapons. They're at the ceiling of efficiency. They can kill ads at the fastest possible rhythm that you can kill trash ads. Okay? All you have to do is give us other primaries that do that. You don't have to nerf them. You literally don't. You do not have to nerf them. Rapid fire shotguns needed brought down not because they were too strong as a shotgun. That was a ruse. I mean, come on. Rapid fire shotguns were not nerfed because other shotguns weren't really viable. Oh, come on. They were nerfed because they were power weapons, man. Their damage output, their DPS was power weapon level. Like, they were used in every speedrun strat because they matched or surpassed the DPS of exotic power weapons. Okay? That's why they were nerfed. So, now that shotguns are actually functioning how they're supposed to, don't look at rapid fires, because rapid fires are still really, really strong. Shotguns are still the greatest the greatest secondary weapon you can carry. So instead of like, oh, we need to bring those down, no, bring fusion rifles and snipers up to their lethality. What's the ceiling? What's the ceiling of efficiency that you get out of a shotgun? Give that to, the, give that to fusions. Give that to streamers. So... Rapid fire shotguns were functioning as a power weapon because shotguns in D2 vanilla were originally power weapons. It's as simple as that. Mr. Anderson, hey Lona, do you think Bungie will fix leveling? I'm 650, I'm getting 651 power drops. That's supposed to be getting fixed this week, I think. RNG can still screw you, but the, the, the plus one drops is not supposed to happen until you get to 690. It's slowing down your leveling as if you're at 690 and it's not supposed to be doing that. Bumble 17. With the introduction of random rolls on armor, in retrospect, did the exotic drop rate need such a big nerf from year one? Um, well, if dupe protection was working, then no, but dupe protection's not working. You could be getting exotics at a pretty decent clip. If dupe protection was working, then it, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter. 
Dew protection's not working, and that's the problem. Like, you're just getting guns. I Like, I guess since dew protection's not working, that's an even greater reason to just drop more of them in our lab. Uh, SA23SA. Do you think, uh, what do you think about the contents of Joker's Wild has been time-gated like Black Armory? I'm fine with that. That's how drip feed content works. Um, part, uh, Parton Man. I'm a lapsed D2 vanilla player. Is now a good time to return? If you haven't touched Forsaken, yes. Tons of stuff to do. Tons of stuff. Uh, Destiny Boy. Hey, Lono. What do you think we will get in September? We're either getting a DLC that they were already working on, and it'll be centered around Savathun and the Dreadnought, or whatever they were working on in September becomes the annual pass. I don't know if we're going to get both. The more and more I look at it, the more unlikely I think it is that we get a $40 DLC in September and an annual pass. That's like the dream that we get that much content. I think we're going to get one. I think we're going to probably get whatever they had planned for September broken up into an annual pass. King Boomstick. If Bungie doesn't make year one content gear relevant and fix the leveling system for year three, what type of content will keep us engaged in year three? I don't know, but this isn't going to work. You can only create so many gymnasiums for us to run around in before people just get annoyed. It, you, there needs to be more to do in the game. I just don't think this idea that like, hey, for three months, for three months, people are going to grind forges and be okay with that. Yeah, probably not. I was, Lono was probably the exception to that because I just, I, I don't know. I like to chase weapons. So I know that. I know that's my bias. I try to own that. Whenever I give feedback on the content, I try to own the fact that Forge wasn't exactly the most well-received content in the game. You know? I try to I try to own that. And the, and the same thing with Prime. It's like for Season of the Drifter, are people going to run Gamut Prime for three months and Reckoning? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, Funky Ninjas. Do you feel the reason things are underwhelming nowadays is due to overhype in the community leading to higher expectations from YouTubers hyping these content expansions? No. Nope. If you judge this content in a vacuum, as I do, think about it, man. Everything I'm saying about this content has nothing to do with the fact that I was overhyped. I was the one that said it didn't look that good. I I watched the vid doc... And I was one of the I was probably one of the only content creators on the front line saying this is worrying. This is worrying. I don't think this is gonna be that good. Everybody else is like, looks exciting, looks awesome, blah blah blah. Like and and some people just refuse to comment. There were people that were silent about the content. They didn't tweet, they didn't talk about it. And then later on they were like, it's good, it's fun, if you like Gambit. So like they made sure to qualify it. So, my disappointment has nothing to do with me getting hyped up by YouTubers. I'm disappointed because I'm judging the content as it is. I'm not judging the content against, like, the backdrop of, like, YouTubers getting excited. Guardian777 with nine months. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, even when I disagree, you argue your points are logical instead of emotion. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, Guardian777. They're scared to be on the blacklist? I'm at, maybe. I don't think so. Plenty of people that went to the summit have been very, very critical of the game. Goodness gracious. I mean, the first summit, Slayer Rage was there. And Slayer has a whole video on why the weapon system sucked. Like, literally, his words, it sucked in year one. And he got invited. And he was very, very critical. If anything, the two main PvE guys that went, Datto and Slayer Rage, they're not yes-men. I would never describe either of those gentlemen as yes-men. Uh, gun kid with 11 months. Thank you. Uh, RP008. 
in the season of opulence what would you like to see from bungie way more than we got this time and refresh all the vendors uh warlock why do you think they haven't put more emphasis on strike specific loot i have no idea i have no idea i don't know even my non-gamer wife enjoys listening to you well thank you uh calyx or calyx says what would the theme of lono's design expansion be I would come up with perks that have a certain theme. So since there's this huge absence of, of, of elements, like elemental stuff in the game, I would do a bunch of perks centered around the elements, centered around arc, void, and solar. So I would have some perks that do some cool things. If you do enough damage, chain lightning. If you do enough damage, area of effect. If you do enough damage, suppression field. Okay? Then... I would replenish every vendor with two guns and two pieces of armor. The two guns would rotate. Each week they'd have a gun bounty and it would just rotate. So one week Devrim K would have the the um I'm blanking. The it's the it's the freaking hand cannon. I say it all the time and I'm missing it. It's the it's the old fashioned. He would have the old fashioned. Now, for this to work, they would need to bring elemental primaries back. They would need to slide all primaries up into the primary slot. And they would need to slide all secondaries down into the secondary slot. And then the old fashioned would get some really cool curated role with a new elemental perk on it. Like, like entangled dragonfly or something. On a crit kill, there's like a void entanglement that comes out from the player and it entangles the enemies for like a couple seconds. Real short, like a mini tether. And I would put that perk on a whole handful of guns, potentially. But that would be one, right? There'd also be a solar one and an arc one. And so the new content would have guns that had curated roles with those perks and those themes. And the new, the new content would be centered around leveraging those perks on the guns. And then every vendor would get a little bit of love and a little bit of a, like a little bit of juice. So you'd want to potentially chase a weapon on Nessus or in Drifter or in Zavala or on EDZ. So if you don't like the new activity, if the new activity doesn't interest you, no worries. We've given some love and some, the game feels a little bit fresh and a little bit new if you go to all these people. Now, my season would say, hey, these really cool bounties and these really cool loot pursuits are not available until you hit max power. Oh man, how do we hit max power level? No worries. Everything levels you up. Just play the game and you're leveling. That new sense of progression gives you a a sense of chase. You're getting to the point where you're like, I'm going to earn access to all these bounties, right? And I'm leveling up and just playing the stuff that I like to run. If I like running pub events, if I like running strikes, nightfalls, raids, whatever, if you just want to run PvP all day, you're leveling up as you're playing. You're getting gear drops. I would take enhancement cores and get them the frick out of infusion. Now, why would I do all these things? I would do all these things because I feel like that would be the best, most fully orbed delivery for the community. I don't feel like that would be bad for streamers. I also don't think it would be bad for somebody who plays a couple hours a night. I think what I just outlined would make a lot of people happy and give people a spectrum of engagement. Because hardcore players could grind and get the god rolls that they want on all the guns that are in there. The new guns that come with the new content as well as the replenished guns, the refresh guns. And the more casual player could be like, you know what? I'll get there in probably a week. I got to level up. I'm going to grind this stuff. I'm going to get these drops. And then everybody would have a sense of something to do. 
That's how you satisfy the spectrum of player. Bungie has been in a reactionary standpoint since Vanilla Destiny 1. Forsaken in the annual pass is an overreaction to the lack of grind in Vanilla Destiny 2. So Vanilla Destiny 2 lands, there's no grind. It's the most casual game in existence. And they run in the opposite direction. So now people that only play a couple hours a night but love the game feel like there's they, they've been completely left out in the cold. They're like, I'm not a casual. I play every night. What do you mean? I, I, I only play for two hours. I'm not a streamer, but come on. I should be able to progress. And they can't. People are like, oh, here comes Lono, the bleeding heart for the casuals. This is what ruined the game. If people would take two seconds and listen to what I argue for, it wouldn't hurt hardcore players. It wouldn't. It would literally create a spectrum of engagement. That's why agency and RNG being married together the way they were with Ada works for everyone. Because if you want the gun, you can go get it. If I want the god roll, I can go get it. And our time investment is an indication of that. Problem solved. Instead of what we have now is hurdle and another hurdle and another hurdle. If you can get over all these hurdles, there's a grind waiting for you. And you're like, well, for frick's sake, do I really want to go over all these hurdles to come grind for some weapons? Not really. They've overreacted and in the process they've stiff-armed, I believe they've stiff-armed a significant portion of their player base. Now, they may turn around in a couple months and be like, that sounds really nice, Lono, but you're wrong. Look at the player base numbers. We've still captured and kept the lion's share of the player base. I would push back and say, you can still keep those people and do what I'm talking about. You're not going to lose the people that have been grinding for god rolls. You're not going to lose the people that are putting in however many hours a day. Like whoever's in the player base right now, you're not you are not going to lose them if you do what I'm talking about. You aren't. You're going to keep and gain back a lot of the people that are at that lower tier of engagement. Keeping them is important. They're not a, they're not a casual that deserves to get kicked to the curb. You know? So if I'm wrong and they recapture that that core and that, that, that loyal player base and they feel like this is a healthy injection of content and they deem it internally as a success, then, I mean, I guess I can be wrong. But at the end of the day, I'm going to retreat to my Alamo and say, you know what? You still don't need to stiff arm these players. I should not see the number of players I see in this community, both in my mods and longtime subs. I should not see the number of people I'm seeing saying, I just stopped playing. That's worrisome. I know it's a small sampling, but still, these are people that played all the time. They're saying, I just can't. It just takes too long to get anything done. And you wouldn't lose those people by creating better accessibility for leveling. Better accessibility for leveling and a bunch of bounties that you can do once you're max level. If you're replenishing the old vendors while adding new, while adding new content and new perks, you have a great thematic thrust. Everything feels fresh and new and people come in and they chase the stuff. Like, Nobody comes back. Nobody comes back to Destiny to run milestones to feel like at the end of the week they barely move the needle. I've seen tons of tweets from people saying that. Like, I just can't get any comp. I can't get anything done. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the game down. GG honor all. How long is long enough to sit on content and save it for later? You've discussed how Bungie has stuff that they have in their pocket, but great, th- uh, but great things help improve the game. Uh, will it really be a year before they decide to introduce these things? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I believe that they are sitting on the Infinite Forest. They are sitting on Escalation Protocol. Probably in their mind, they're sitting on Blind Well. That's three pieces of content that can be rejuvenated with life. 
and when they're rejuvenated with life, three pieces of grind, that'll fit real nicely into three annual pass pieces. And they've got eight locations, and they have, I don't even know, 15 NPCs, maybe. I mean, I think there's probably 18 NPCs. I mean, you divide that by three, and you got six, you got like six NPCs per season that can get some new life. Or you spread it out, and they all get a little love each season. I mean, I don't know. I feel like they assume casual players don't play Endgame, so for the annual pass, it was designed for Bungie's idea of hardcore players you've mentioned. That's what I've t- that's why I've tried to say I feel like I feel like there are people who play for 2 hours a night who love this game as much as I do and they want god rolls as much as I do. The hours put in are not indicative of their affinity. The level of their affinity for the game is not represented by the hours put in. And I feel like that's one of the problems, that's one of the missteps with the leveling, is that person's love for the game is getting short-circuited because they're being drugged through, like, glass and sandpaper just to get to the new content and to feel like they're progressing. The 640 Power Surge Bounties are all the proof you need that leveling is fundamentally flawed. Fundamentally flawed. If leveling worked, and the lion's share of the player base was going from step one annual pass to step two, you wouldn't need those surge bounties. Those surge bounties were celebrated at every corner of the internet I looked. They celebrated the surge bounties. Why? Because leveling is fundamentally flawed. You don't need to do that. You don't need to kick people into high gear. Now, I know you might say, well, what about the people coming back, Lona? What about the people that skipped forge and came back? Okay, but do, do you really need 640 power surge bounties for that? No, like just they're getting drops that are dropping higher to get them to boomerang them up into the 600s. That's all you had to do. The farther on down the line you are, the bigger your jumps. Uh, sideways rain. Do we know when Bungie is officially severed from Activision? Something tells me their unorthodox behavior uh, has a lot of ties to the publisher. Uh, this stuff was built before the split with Activision was announced. So this stuff is still tied to using High Moon Studios and Vicarious Visions. Vicarious Visions, the last piece of content that they're going to be interacting with is Season of Opulence, Penumbra. As far as I, if, if my memory is correct in reading Luke Smith's letter to the community, Vicarious Visions, their swan song is what's coming in the summer. And High Moon Studios help with Forsaken, I think. I'm pretty sure that's sort of the, their their departure. So until we get through the summer, we're not actually, we haven't left the old guard. We have not left the old guard. Because Penumbra is still going to be built within the framework of Bungie getting help from another studio. Now, Bungie getting help from another studio for Penumbra and getting help for Forsaken with High Moon Studios, that means sometime last year, they could have started building whatever we get in September. Because other companies were coming in and helping. Were you able to get into a rhythm with playing Gambit Prime? I for one like uh, how I for one like a lot how the final fight works. I just think the rank and file enemies deal even more damage than regular Gambit, uh, and that's that bit is annoying. I didn't. I think the last boss fight is cool, but because of invasion, it makes you dial in a really cheesy and stupid strategy. Therefore, relegating the boss to another dumb prop that you ignore and then melt. 
the boss is just a dumb prop. You just ignore him, you stack envoys, and then because invasion's happening like constantly, you wait, third or fourth stack, don't kill third envoy. As soon as the invader's gone, kill the envoy, melt the boss. The boss is just another big dumb dumb in the room waiting to get turned into cheese, like just dead. Um, Mac 2099. Since this is definitely an issue with Gambit rank, uh, do we know Gambit Prime follows the same practice of not gaining infamy once you reach legendary? I don't think they changed that. So you reward hitting legendary infamy is that you don't get points for losing. So they they reward you for being a hardcore Gambit player by making your experience worse. Like, brilliant. Jay-Z Slayers. I'm on a console and every time I've tried to do the reckoning, the randoms just sat still and didn't help. You think there should be punishment for people who don't help? They're not getting anything if they're AFK. They get nothing. So if you're AFK enough times throughout a day, there should be a report that's that's that's, that's run and you should get you should get a, a 24-hour ban from the game mode. Uh, Angelus. How about having three invasions that you can use however you want? Uh, maybe use during the moat collection. It wouldn't it wouldn't change anything I've talked about. It wouldn't change anything I'm talking about. You would still just wait until you feel like they've got enough moats. You invade. You you have a huge influence over them. If you wait and invade with two invader with two blockers on the platform, they either try to go kill those blockers and get killed easily because they're in transit and you have wall hacks and an overshield. Uh, if they don't go to kill those guys in transit, they're going to get moats drained. While those moats are being drained, they're potentially losing moats to you. Uh, and then invading during the boss fight is worthless against a team that gets the strategy Dan Papa with the prime sub thank you uh, IZX3 I missed your two month sub a little bit ago thank you um, it wouldn't change it wouldn't it's spacing them out wouldn't do anything it would just probably become more annoying uh, Josh Wheeler is there any genuine reason for Bungie to not bring back trials I just don't get it because trials had terrible engagement comp is in a shambles from DDoSing and a shrinking player base and the meta is not where they want it Salty Rob. Lono, I don't like the four separate pieces of gear for each Gambit Prime player roles. I think each armor role should have been an ornament uh, on the piece of gear to save armor spots. I, 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 <laughs> I'm surprised they did it the way they did it. It's not even that you have to have a set for Collector and a set for the others. You literally have three sets per. There's three Collector sets. There's a Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3. It's unbelievable. It's the weirdest, most bloated injection of, of, of loot I have ever seen. It makes, no, it makes no sense at all. I don't know. Why not have us... Here's an idea... If you get tier 1 gear, and then you want to level it up, you gotta go play tier 2, and instead of grinding for gear in tier 2, you get a tier 2 gloves upgrade, and you upgrade those gloves to tier 2, okay? So you still need the gloves upgrade to drop, and you make it a little bit pricier than it is. And then once you get a tier 2 pair of gloves, you go to tier 3, and you gotta get a gloves synthesizer upgrade, and you upgrade the gloves from that. So you have to run tier 1, tier 2, tier 3. You gotta run all of them. Now now, there's a harmony between all three tiers and a purpose between all three tiers and you don't feel like the armor you earned in tier one is worthless and crap and you don't have your collections and your armor sets just completely overrun like it's the same set and you're upgrading it I don't I don't, I don't understand what they what they were thinking my voice is getting high-pitched I, I don't I don't get it why it's it's four sets times three per Per, uh, <laughs> per guardian. 
It doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense. They all look exactly the same. They're all cosmetically the same. Like, what are we doing? Like Jerry Seinfeld, right? Why? Why are we doing this? Like I I I don't I don't know. I maybe somebody had the idea and it was too late to go back on. But it would have been so much easier to say you've got to grind for tier one or you won't get tier two. Once you have a full set of tier one, your goal at tier one was probably to get the rolls that you want. Tier two rolls around. Then you roll, you go into tier two and you earn upgrades to upgrade all that armor. And the drop rate could either be low or costly. I don't know. And tier two is multifaceted because it can drop guns then you go to tier 3 because that's the only way to get everything completely capstoned up to tier 3 and you run tier 3 and again maybe it's costly and the drop rate's low I don't know I, Jinx thank you for uh, 8 months total subs man welcome back uh, Tricks are live not really a question just want to say I appreciate the Q&A content that you do thanks for your contribution to the community well thank you Soured Outlook uh, would year one armor with random rolls be good enough for a vendor refresh in your eyes I mean that's what I'm asking for yes um, Clay Tonks Lono do you believe that weapon synergy should return such as Mita Multi and Mini Tool I think that's something they could do with maybe stuff that's too weak uh, maybe there could be some exotics that are too weak they could get some synergies I don't know Guardian 777 I would argue the annual pass is at a good spot it adds drip feed content at a legitimate rate focusing on different aspects of the game each season would you agree the real problem is the free seasonal updates and player perception of the two being linked oh they completely butchered their own marketing instead of it being here's season of the drifter and everything free and here's joker's wild and everything you can pay for it's all now season of the drifter so no one knows what the frick is free no one knows what the frick costs money people that bought the annual pass don't know what they're getting that's different from the people that didn't buy the annual pass they completely nuked they completely nuked their marketing centered around the annual pass i mean way to devalue stuff that people have already paid for i don't know what or who decided why they should do that you should never ever completely rename something that people have already freaking paid for it is confusing as frick. If somebody asks me right now, Lono, what do I get for when, because I bought the annual pass? I couldn't freaking tell you. What do I get if I don't have it? I have no idea because they took their marketing and they poured muddy water all over it. I have zero clue what you get that's free and what that you, what, what the, you get is monetized. It's confusing as frick. It makes zero sense. It's more confusing than when you can play Division. <laughs> Durango Jack, would you rather they bring back all missing D1 exotics or create new ones? I would always rather them do new ones. Always. Uh, Flowing T-Man, with Bungie saying the Reckoning Tier 3 is considered endgame, do you think that having matchmaking for it will hurt the activity as finding good players uh, to run it with might be difficult? They did that with Escalation Protocol and it just took time and it worked. Just give it time. Uh, Ace of Spades, do you believe Bungie needs to regulate our loadouts with nerfs to Sleeper, Whisper, and Machine Guns that we might see a nerf to Rampage? First of all, no, they didn't need to nerf those items. Those nerfs are stupid and they shouldn't have done them. Uh, Number two, if they nerf Rampage, then... I, I, I can't even formulate a sentence if they nerf Rampage if they nerf Rampage expect to see just as hot and angry response from the community it'll just be one more broken train in a long line of broken trains you broke our toy instead of giving us something cool and new Onslaught is the key. The Onslaught perk on the breakneck. Do more perks like that. I can't stress that enough. P. 
people will put down Rampage if you give them a reason to. The Dragonfly perk on that scout rifle that is that is uh, a pinnacle gun, that's the key. Give us stuff like that. Uh, Bladder Magician. How do you make Primeval interactive and unmeltable while keeping the integrity of Gambit without Delta scaling the Primeval? It's simple. He has three, three health bars, okay? And remove Invasion. Invasion's dumb, okay? Invasion only serves as a frustration point for people that don't get the strategy. It doesn't actually work against teams that know what the frick they're doing. Invasion's just freaking pesky. Oh, Blader Magician. I'm sorry, Blader Magician. Stop calling me Bladder. I'm sorry. Blader is a weird word, though, man. Blader Magician. My deepest apologies for continuing to call you Bladder Magician. It's definitely not nearly as cool as Blader Magician. I mean, it's it's still at the level of, like, taser face, but, you know, a little Marvel humor there for you. Um, I, I, I think you just remove Invasion, okay? Or, or change Invasion. Completely change Invasion. So, it's still racing to get stacks, but you can only kill one of his... If he's got three health bars, as soon as you get one health bar gone, you should know that he's going to go invincible, okay? So your goal is navigating when you think you can do that most efficiently and doing it, executing on it. Now, what would Invasion do? Invasion would be an immune player that comes over and has to go and grab a ball and slam it on the boss. And if he slams it on the boss, he takes away one of your stacks of Primeval Slayer and heals him a little bit. He basically takes him up into the next, like, because if there's three damage bars, and if he takes him up into the next damage bar, then you would develop strategies around that. You would do enough damage to take away that damage bar, and you would do that when you know you're really going to try and focus on preventing the invasion. And then maybe after that, you don't kill the whole middle bar. You know, you're like, well, on the next invasion, he might actually pull it off. We're a little bit spread right now. Just do enough damage to mitigate what he's going to do so he can't push us back up into the top bar. Right? If he doesn't push back up to the top bar, and, well, how do we stop him from doing it? Well, you shoot him to slow him down. Right, he's invincible, and you shoot him to slow him down. And he's got he's got so many seconds to pull this off. So what you're doing is is you're creating a mechanic that can be mitigated and managed, but it doesn't completely change, and it's not completely and utterly worthless. Against the right team, invasion at the boss fight is a nuisance. It's not an influence over the game. Trust me on this. Just give it time give it time I said this about original gambit and a month later everyone said what I was saying go watch Dado's video rabbit fire shotguns give it time it got nerfed enhancement cores give it time people hate it the leveling in forsaken that was RNG and milestones based give it time everyone hates it now give it time gambit prime will rear its head to be a one-dimensional game mode where invading matters incredibly way too much and then doesn't matter at all and people will just start dialing in those strats and that's exactly why people will stop playing because there's no back and forth there's no strategy there is no there is no influence no matter how many perks you have on your character tweaked with the content so far this season do you feel the season pass was a bad idea I don't know if I can call it a bad idea it was a risk it's up to the player base to decide if it was a bad idea uh, grit, a gritter. 
I like your uh, revelation that the primeval in Gambit Prime is just a prop. I know this may sound crazy, but how about something similar to what I propose? How about a randomly the primeval is insurrection primeval or something similar? A primeval that is more intelligent to fight. I mean, here's the problem. (laughs) People don't even kill the dadgum envoys. They'll just freaking dump their ammo into the boss when he has a shield. Uh, they still, in regular Gambit, ignore the envoys. I mean, if you go too complicated on the boss fight, you're going to lose people. The fact that you got to kill two envoys, then a third, and stand in a pool is too difficult for some people. <laughs> it's too difficult for some people. So I, I don't I don't actually know. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I actually think keeping the fight simple, but having health gates is probably the only way to elongate the fight. It's the only way. It's, it's it. If you make the fight any more complicated than you are now, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Flowing Train. Do you feel that the overshield that the invader gets is a little too strong or that the new armor sets would have been a good chance to remove it and make it a perk that the invader sets to wear down the strength of the invasions? I, I mean, Invasion, I've, I've given my thoughts on Invasion. I, I, I think it's, it's a combination of the wall hacks and the overshield. He has everything he needs to basically get at least one or two kills, or at the very least, make everybody stop moving. Everything stops on a dime. You can't move. You've got to stop and get your bearings because he can see you and turn the tide by one or two kills. So everything comes to a screeching halt. And if you try to fight him and you try to kill him, it's high risk because he can see you. So you've got to be you've got to be positioned very very well to try to team shot him as soon as he comes in or have somebody in good positioning with heavy to be on prevent. Even when we're ignoring boss damage and we don't feel the threat of invasion, okay? We kill that third envoy and we get stack 2, we spread out and we wait for the invader and even then he'll get one or two of us cuz it's just it's RNG. He'll spawn on your right, you're not quite ready for him, you go to turn too late, machine gun kills you. Even, even when he's not a threat and we're spreading out and doing our best to call out where he is to try to kill him, even then, he'll get the jump on you and kill you because he has wall hacks. So, ultimately, if they don't completely retool invasion in the game mode, I just think the game mode is just going to become another rift. Just another rift where smart teams exploit the easy strats and they were, they were just basically uh, spawn camping people in rift. Smart teams just did that in Rift, and eventually it ruined the game mode. And I think in Gambit, eventually you're going to have a core of players that just dial in the same silly strats over and over, and the difference between a winning team and a losing team is a lot of times basically just luck. It's just luck. They had they had better ad placement, and they got better moats on their first pass. They banked a 25 they invaded, and they slowed us down, and we couldn't catch up. They summoned first, they got their first and second stacks of Primeval Slayer as we were just getting our first, they're ahead in the race. It doesn't matter how many times we invade, it doesn't matter how many times we kill them, they're ahead in the race, they win. Like, that's what it's going to turn into. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, that's what it was going to turn into. Rift was amazing until people started spawn trapping, I actually liked Rift, so. As with all my content, I'm going to cut it there, but if you're here live, we're going to keep talking. We have an Anthem discussion and Q&A scheduled, so don't go anywhere. If you've enjoyed the content, please click the follow button on my Twitch channel. That's the little heart button. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch these live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. I'm probably live right now. Come on in and join the conversation. As with all my content, I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe.